Welcome back to the Pendulum Land Podcast. Our podcast is designed for people interested in the right-of-way industry, eminent domain, or the Uniform Relocation Act. Or, it's also designed for anyone who just enjoys spirited discussion of popular culture. Today's podcast is sponsored by Pendulum Land Services, a full-service right-of-way acquisition firm managed by industry experts who are dedicated to the integrity of the right-of-way process. Visit them at PendulumLand.com. This is actually part two of a podcast, and with us today is our regular crew, Kristen Bennett from the great state of Texas. Aloha, Kristen. Aloha, Dave. And with us also is Ross Green, an eminent domain attorney expert from the Commonwealth of Virginia. I'm Alo- still not saying aloha, Dave. What? Yeah. And also joining us again from the state of Hawaii is Rob Thomas, a true eminent domain expert and professor at law. Aloha, Rob. Aloha, and I think I, I can say aloha because, you know, back out here in the 808, uh, that's how we sign our letters. So do you wear a lay to the office when you're in the 808? Uh, only on Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, what do you, uh, Rob, uh, Rob, what do you do for Hawaiian shirt day when you're in Hawaii? Well, first of all, every day is uh, aloha shirt day. We call them aloha shirts. Uh, every day is, unless you're going, that's, that's usually the sign. If you're not wearing that, if you come in with a, with a, you know, your button-down shirt and your tie and your jacket or something, everybody says, oh, what time's your court date? You know, what's your, what's your hearing date today? Or what time's your hearing? Uh, what time's your trial start? Everybody assumes that if you're walking around in what looks like, I would say, quote-unquote, normal uh, lawyer attire, um, that you've got something where, where you got to go to court. Um, because other than that, it's the big distinction between, uh, you know, casual Friday and every other day there is on Friday you can untuck your Aloha shirt. You don't have to tuck it in your in your trousers. So, so um, can <laughs> can you can you wear an Aloha shirt to court? Are there special court occasions uh, where you can wear one? Uh, there? <laughs> uh, there was a you know there was uh, generally no. I mean the the serious answer to that is no. The, a judge once said. Look, if I've got to wear a tie under my robe and you come to my court, you're going to be wearing what I got to wear. Yeah, but, so, the, but the judge um, doesn't have to wear pants under his robe, so that's not a fair standard. That That's probably not fair. But yes, uh, you know, courtroom attire is still courtroom attire. Rob, Rob, we're going to start this episode yep. off a little bit different than, than we did the last time. Yep. And so what we're going to discuss first is not the law, but we're going to discuss our favorite movies set in the state of Hawaii or on the island. Oh, you're talking my language. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, there's only one right answer to this question. And it's not the okay. one Dave's going to say. Y- yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Boys. Okay. So why don't we start with Kristen? Favorite movie set in Hawaii? Oh, boy. I, I think I'm going to have to go. Well, I've got two I'm thinking of. I'm going to go with 50 First Dates. It's pretty adorable. Oh, I like Sean Astin's character in that movie. I love the animated peanut butter. Can I have it? Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's really kind of a stupid plot line, and they, they could have taken care of a lot of the problems for the whole movie at the beginning, like stop painting the wall every night and just tell her the truth, but it is it is a pretty sweet movie. And Ad- Adam Sandler actually makes a reference to a walrus's private business in that movie. Oh, boy. Do you remember that? I, I is don't, that why? I don't, is that, that is not a standout moment in the movie for me. I don't re- recall. Uh-huh. I'll have to rewatch it. But I, I, I think that's a very sweet movie. So I'm going to go with Fifty First Dates. Okay. All right. That's a nice Good movie. Choice. Good choice. Yeah. Ross Green, did you, do you oh, have Kristen, a, do you, you took watch my movies? real answer. Do I watch movies? 
Like, I mean, besides Star Wars, do you watch movies? Kristen took my real answer, but... Oh, uh, I did? Yeah, because I was... Sorry. That, hey, I love that movie. The sequel's terrible, though. There's a sequel? Oh, yeah, like, they... I don't want to get into Adam Sandler's, like, entire movie. Why not? Because he, he hasn't made a good movie, like, since that movie. You said the same thing about Will Ferrell, and that's Will just Will Ferrell's not right. just hot garbage, okay? Oh, my okay. God. Listen, Oh, I, my God. I think we're all going to have to He can't even operate the sound. Look at this. He's, like, poking the thing multiple times to make the ink noise. You can't tell people out in podcast land what I'm doing here. Yes, I can. Okay, so let's let's go back to the question at hand, Ross. What's your favorite movie set in Hawaii other than 51st States? Snakes on a Plane is allegedly in Hawaii somehow, like, <laughs> according to the internet. I don't know why. You watched that movie? Everybody yes. watched that movie. That's one of the best movies of I the did. whatever Snakes decade. on a Plane. Like, yeah, I mean... Oh, boy. I can bleep that. We're going to need the bleep. I mean, it, what? It, that's a line from the movie. <laughs> oh, Ro- Rob, are you it? still with us? I am. I'm, I'm taking notes. Surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly. I, and did you like Snakes on a Plane? <laughs> I, have, I, I have a cast sign poster in my office. Do that, you really? That cannot be true. <laughs> you do. do not. I actually do. Cast sign. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. This I, is, that, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to be texted why, a picture. I have a big old smile like, here. Nope. I have a big smile here because of when I heard you mention that one. Tweet <laughs> it. Tweet it, Rob. Tweet, tweet the cast-signed picture we from need your to office. See it. We're going to need to see it. And tweet it at Ross, okay. at right-of-way okay. Ross. Feel free to tag at Relo Kristen because that's hilarious. I love it. Okay, so Dave, what's your favorite movie set in Hawaii? Well, no. Are we our, going guest, to our guest goes next. Okay, Rob? Because he is the expert. Next to me, he is the expert he on everything else. He might say snakes on a plane if he has a <laughs> cast-signed poster in his office. What say ye, Rob? You know, this one, uh, this one uh, far and away, and this may date me, but this one, since I was a kid, people ask that question. This is my answer. Elvis Presley, Blue Hawaii. That was in the running for me, too. Yeah, that definitely was top of mind yeah, on the subject. I mean, you know, you got Elvis. You've got, in case it was 1950s Oahu, where I, I grew up just a little bit later than that. So they filmed it there. And so the backgrounds, they look like my town, my island when I was growing up. And so anytime I want a dose of nostalgia, you know, pop that thing in the recorder or pull it up on, you know, Hulu or something, watch that. It's goofy. It's hokey. They somehow explain how Elvis is a, is a local boy from Hawaii, but he has a southern accent. I, you know, that's, that was a trick. Um, but all the places in the background are me. Plus the signature song, Wise Men Say Only Fools Rush In. That's uh, the signature song uh, besides Blue Hawaii from that movie. So that's my final answer. That, that's an interesting answer. I've never seen Blue Hawaii, but I will tell you that oh. in, that, that in the, my hometown of Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I grew up, there was a bar slash restaurant called Blue Hawaii, which was very important to me in the mid to late 80s, because they didn't card right. you if you were underage, and they would serve you these big, obnoxious <laughs> tropical drinks with no ID. So I, I'm going to have to go ahead and, and say that you have the best answer so far because it was um, that restaurant that kept me happy in 87 and 88. All right. But Drinking Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Drinking at Blue Hawaii's, but... But there's really only one correct answer. And as you, you'll notice um, in our intro, I am the expert on all things, meaning movies and music between 75 and, say, 95. But you can actually extend that because the best movie ever made, which was set in Hawaii, was... I'm not going to do the drum roll because it's too long. But the answer is Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. 
That is actually the best <laughs> Hawaii movie ever. Yeah, it's funny because of how terrible the answer is. What? It's that is. A, I will say I just saw that movie fairly recently. It's really funny. It is really yeah, funny. I, I Adam like Levine. Belly laughed or, at it. Yeah. Adam Levine is fantastic. And what's that other guy? I like the one on the right. Um, the good oh, looking one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't can't remember his name. Ross is looking it up. I think Adam Levine has a stand up special that's so funny that I, I I've watched it twice and cry laughed through the whole thing. He's great. It's better than Zach Galifianakis between two ferns. Oh, I don't know. That's a good one too. That is a good one. That is a good one. So, Rob, have you seen that movie? No. And in fact, I think, you know, what we're going to have to do is you're going to have to watch Blue Hawaii, and I'm going to have to go pick that one up, and then we'll trade reviews. Deal. I'm yeah. in. That sounds great. Yeah. How about if I just watch, watch Mike and Dave again, and I'll, I'll <laughs> skip the Blue Hawaii? No, no, that's Zach not the Efron. Deal. No. Zach that's Efron the deal. is the no. other guy. Oh, Zach. I like yeah. the guy on the right. I like the one on the right. I like the one on, <laughs> like the, the, right. one on the right. Zach Efron's adorable. And those two guys are such idiots, and they're trying to um, behave themselves for their sister's wedding, and their parents just know what idiots they are, and they wind up screwing the whole thing up. And it was just such a good movie, just a great family comedy, wouldn't you say? I don't know that it's a family comedy. My children are not allowed yeah. to watch that for like another decade. Yeah, but it's the, really funny. Since the blurb says it's a mashup of Pitch Perfect and Dirty Grandpa, I wouldn't exactly call it a family comedy, no. 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 Dirty Grandpa. I don't even What is that? I don't know what that is. Other terrible movies in this category. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean other No, not other terrible movies. This is a great movie. Uh-huh. You know what? I'm going to mute your mic. I'm have muting you seen your mic. It, Ross? Yeah, have you seen it? No. Okay, oh, then. I don't believe okay. that your opinion matters in this particular discussion aside from blurbs of it in the gym like while watching like on the stationary bike no i haven't sat and watched the thing okay so your homework is to go watch mike and dave need wedding dates my homework is to go watch it again and rob's homework is to watch it and i'm gonna watch blue hawaii and maybe i'll watch snakes on a plane i love snakes on a plane get these snakes on a plane is a modern classic yes it is oh boy it is have you met samuel l jackson rob i have not then how did you get the signed poster eBay. You know that this is one of those where uh, <laughs> oh. uh, a very good friend know, knew of my love of snakes on the plane, and that was one of my it was a birthday present. And so, how she got it, she won't say. That's Maybe amazing. Maybe she met Sam Jackson the cast. I don't know. Maybe she signed it. And you're going to tweet that's it, her right? Signature on there. You're going to tweet oh, it. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to. It's hanging up on the wall in my office in Honolulu, but I'm going to get someone to take a picture of it, send it to me, and I'll tweet it. That will make my day. So in the same uh, <laughs> terrible ideas category as snakes on a plane, there's also let's mine the largest uranium deposit in the United States, even though we uh, can't do it safely. We insist that we should be able to poison everybody in the state so we can try to make $400 million off of mining uranium. And we should sue it to the U.S. Supreme Court and then not give up after we lose there and keep going because we really, really, really want to poison everybody in the state uh, in the interest of making money, and property rights should let us do that. What are you talking about? Um, it's on my, it's on the blog recently about Virginia trial court upholds uranium mining ban, but the, the last year's opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court was uh, Virginia Uranium versus Warren, and they're back at it again this year in Virginia Uranium versus Commonwealth. Oh, boy. By the uh, way, check that blog at rightofway.law. Uh, thank you for the, the blog. plug. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anytime. And I know Rob's on top of this and, and keeps track of all of this on, on his blog as well. This is would usually put him on the side of the uranium miners as the uh, 
pro-landowner property rights lawyer. We'll hear what he has to say about that here. What's interesting is the court, you know, no relief, right? The court, the, the, the circuit court said no uh, to the relief sought, but it actually found it. The, the property owners in this case actually crossed one of the highest burdens or hurdles in in this area of law, and that's proving what's called a Penn Central taking. It's this multi-factor test that the U.S. Supreme Court uh, put out for us in 1978, and that you know notoriously among you know folks on my side of the aisle, property owners almost never win. They never show there's a taking under this Penn Central test because what I say is you got to take all of these factors. You know, what? Well, when did the person buy the property? What are the regulations? How much did they invest? What were their expectations? Put them all into this judicial blender and hit the you know frappe switch. And then if at the end of that, what you got is mush, looks like a taking, looks like an eminent, an exercise of eminent domain, a court is supposed to say that's a, that's a, that's a taking and you got to pay for it. Um, and surprisingly, um, the court, to me, the court works through, the judge works through the evidence in the case and comes out and says there's a Penn Central taking. And so then I read to the end, oh boy, what's, what's this judge going to do? Because... You know, as you just said, the plaintiffs in this case are looking for, you know, half a billion dollars in just compensation or whatever it might be. And the, you know, judge says, for the foregoing reasons, I find in favor of the defendant. Wait, how how can there be a take and no remedy? And then I go back and I look, and of course, the most important thing in the case is almost put is in the footnote. And footnote one, apparently, back in 2016. The court ruled that, that any claim for money damages it was barred by the statute of limitations. You waited too long, or you know you should have sued earlier. Um, you snooze, you lose, right? And they did. Um, and so at that point, you know, money damages as a remedy was foreclosed. And so what they were seeking to do in this case, apparently, was to uh, enjoin uh, the statute say it doesn't apply to us, and that at this point we want them to issue uranium mining permits despite this long-standing moratorium in which uh, or uh, that was caused by, among other things, the ongoing debate whether it's even safe to mine this stuff. Uh, and that sort of was a bridge too far uh, for the court, and he said, well, you know, can't do that. Um, I can't give you... I can't give you essentially a, an exemption from the statute and order uh, Virginia officials to issue you uranium mining permits. Um, that's that was a tough one. And so you get to the end of the case, and even that's what I found fascinating about it. Even though the plaintiffs prove the property owners prove a taking, they get nothing. They get no relief, um, which was kind of a, a, a surprise little ending for me. Yeah, I was. Um, baffled by that part in the case because, yeah, they'd already determined that this was all barred by statute of limitations. So I'm not sure why the judge goes through what's essentially multi-page dicta about something that, you know, the law of the case says is already not a thing. You don't have a taking because this moratorium has been in place since the 80s. So if you, you know, if you're barred by the statute of limitations and you don't have a claim, why in the world does he spend multiple pages talking about the thing they don't have before he finally gets to the end and says, oh, by the way, you know, since that's already not here, the statute isn't unconstitutional because it's police power, because it's there to stop you from poisoning everybody, because the uncontroverted evidence in the case is you 
can't do this safely. And, you know, it's got several right. horrible but quotes in it about how bad it would be. Wasn't the, the whole thing with the moratorium is that it was it's technically temporary, even though it's been in place for all this time? Wasn't that part of their argument? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's the point, Kristen, is it was it's supposedly temporary, but it's been in place for decades and there's no sign that you'll ever be able to do it because the the premise, I guess, is that either anybody mining uranium is either doing it in a country where they don't care about, you know, safety or environmental regulations or they're doing it in a desert climate where you don't have high water table and rain constantly. And events. Tr- yeah, trying <laughs> Weather to Weather events. Yeah, flood and pour radioactive material into the into the water supply so there's no sign that they're it's ostensibly temporary until they come up with a way to mine it safely but there's no sign that that's ever going to happen i got it under okay. these conditions well where, where, where in virginia and are these uranium the theory, deposits? Right? well this the uranium deposit is actually in um pit near danville it's in pittsylvania county now, bizarrely, the, the case is actually in Wise County, nowhere near there, because the regulatory authority for that mining is out there. So since the case is against the state and the governor and a bunch of other people and the mining authority, somehow the case is in Wise County, even though the subject of the case is in Pennsylvania County. Um, but yeah, it's it's near Danville. It's been, I mean, everybody's known about it for a long time, and this has been going on for, for decades. Um, it kind of fell off for a while because the price of uranium had tumbled. But now that the price of uranium is going oh, back up. The, you mean it has something to do with money? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Shocker. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the plaintiff side premise here is, well, you've deprived ourselves of this hundreds of millions of dollars that we theoretically could get for opening this uranium mine. And poisoning all of the residents of the that, Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, cool, that, you cool. know, the, the case says if you do it, you'll dump radioactive particles into the Roanoke River and the water supply of Virginia Beach is dependent on it. So you would poison the water supply for Virginia Beach and... You know, apparently, it just like says the uncontroverted evidence. So it's like, hey, no, we want to do this. We're, yeah, we're not. It's not. We're not going to try to say it's safe. I guess. It, but we want to do it anyway. So, so what you're saying is the premise is that there's been this moratorium in effect for such a long time that the statute of limitations is run. In other words, you couldn't mine the uranium um, years and years and years ago, and you can't do it now. And therefore, if there was a taking that the statute of limitations is run. Rob, we play a little game every once in a while on this podcast. I don't know that we've actually done it yet, but we're going to, I think this is our inaugural over under push. Yes. Okay. So we play a little game called over under push, and I'm going to give you three things to consider. And I would like you to designate each of them as either overrated, overrated, underrated, or it's a push. And you can, I can give you three. They can all be overrated. They can all be underrated or any, any combination of the three. Okay? So I'm going to give the, you two the choices. The category is, is, is push? Push, is meaning – Do I get that correct? Yeah. It's not overrated or underrated. It's just appropriately rated. Okay? Just, just right. That's yeah. Just so – Yes. Right. Okay. So since we kind of ribbed you about your name and having the same name as um, the singer of Matchbox 20, we're going to do a little 90s pop band – version of over under push and so here are your choices okay matchbox right. 20 sublime and third eye blind i'm sorry let's let's do matchbox 20 let me write that down matchbox 20 okay and your second band is sublime and your last band is third eye blind 
do you know those bands, Rob? Uh, two out of three. See, okay. See, sublime, Chris, sublime escape. Sublime is too sublime. They they have escaped my attention. They are now the Long Beach Dub All Stars after. Uh, the death of their like, I don't singer practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. <laughs> See, if I had a million, does that ring a bell, Rob? Now you know. Now you know. Sublime. Mm. Okay, so how do you feel about Matchbox okay. Twenty? Overrated, underrated, or it's a push? Well, I guess the underrated, you know, because they're of of these. These are, you know, I don't think Robert Thomas, the singer, gets enough recognition. I steal his thunder. So I, <laughs> you, you do. Know, you sure do. He's written me about that, and you know. Uh, you know, dear Mr. Tom, Eminent Domain Thomas, I've received all these fan emails, uh, but I think they're for you. So I definitely think that there's a that they're underrated. I agree with you on that one. Okay, so Sublime, which you're not familiar with, you might say overrated yes. since you don't even know who they are. But that's your call. That's true, although you know that that might not be fair. Maybe I'll have to give them the push because. You know, I'm I'm uh, one of I've I've been taking notes because after this, guess where I'm going? Guess who I'm going to go listen to? I'm going to go familiarize myself with someone who has, well, a band that apparently is good enough to make the list. So I've got to go check them out. Excellent. Okay. And then Third Eye Blind. What say you? Uh, you know, sorry, overrated. Overrated. Uh, yes, uh, you actually have yeah. gotten. You've got the two you could answer. You got absolutely correct, Rob, and I am the final yeah, authority. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, well, and I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you for participating in Over Under Push. Um, stay tuned for more right, Over like Under that. Push games in the future. What's your favorite Eminent Domain song? Do you have one? Is there such a thing? I ask what? my students this, by the way. Do you? You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I tell you know. For the last two years, I saw, saw something, to, I, you know, with the COVID thing, we're not going to do it this year. But for every year for the last two years, the Supreme Court has heard a, either an important environmental case or the first year we went to go, we drove up from Williamsburg at literally we left at two in the morning in, in a big van I rented. Um, and we drove up to Washington, you know, the D.C., and we sat through the arguments in Nick against Township for Scott. I said, here it is, guys. Here's your class in one day. You know, wow. cram it all down. And instead of three and a half hours of awkward silence at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, between stops at the Wawa, I said, we're going to have to have something. Otherwise, you're, I'm going to start asking you Socratic questions <laughs> on the way up. Um, and so we're going to have to put together a mixtape as we drive. And uh, the ticket for admission to the van is you've got to bring two songs for the for the uh, for the tape, one of which has got to be a good road song, you know, something you can drive to that'll keep us awake at, you know, 4 a.m. And the other one has to be a song that you that that is somehow related to takings or eminent domain or whatever it might be, or that you can make the link. So I use the classic example. I said, so my song is going to be. Stevie wonders for once in my life because of the phrase, the, the, the lyrics in the song where he says, for once in my life, uh, you know, uh, this is mine. You can't take it. Oh, okay. There's the hook. It doesn't have to be a really good hook, uh, it, but it has to be something. You have to be able to justify your choice. This you know, is a fabulous a question. This, th no, this is so great. So I get to go first. Oh, gosh. I'm, yeah. I'm so, scared so to hear your, your favorite, answer. You know, take song. Take well, on, take on me by Aha. Ah, that was that. No, that was no. But, but I, I thought they had to come with two songs. So you need need a good road traveling song, and there's really 
the best answer to that is I'm sure every one of your students showed up with Welcome to the Jungle because that is a great tune (laughs) to blast between. that was on the list. Okay. Uh, that is, was was a popular choice. And then and then the taking song would be stuck in the middle because the government took the left lane, the left lane and the right lane, so we're stuck in the middle. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Boom. Okay, yeah, I, I love that. I've got mine. Boom. I've got mine. So I do specialize in relocation, so we deal a lot with people moving and getting out of the way. So mine would be ludicrous. Move. Get out the way. Get out the way. Then there's a bad word. Get out the way. Yeah. That's, that's mine. That's weird because I actually thought on the way here about Rob. It's like, and Rob's phone number, it's like 808s, 292s. Rob Thomas sends small cities and states IOUs. And I was like, where is this ever going to be Are you useful? Are What's happening? I, I don't know why. Hey, whatever. I settled like Ludacris' entire catalog. Uh, okay, so mine's Luda. What's yours? Wait, what's your, what's your um, just cruising song? Oh, my Just Cruisin' song? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't even think of my Just Cruisin' Wait, song. do that again. No, I'm not doing that again. I don't know what even just happened. Ooh. Ooh. I would say it would probably be, hmm, let me, come back to me. I'm thinking. Ross, hey. I need to know your eminent domain song. Maybe I Don't Care Anymore by Phil Collins. <laughs> That's a good what? one. What? Mm. Oh, what? yeah, yeah. Like, no, you got to explain that. You're going to need to explain that. You don't care anymore. He doesn't want to explain it. I don't care anymore about this question. I think he's burned out. All right. My my road trip in music is probably just a Brandy Carlisle playlist because I love Brandy Carlisle. Who's that? Look her up. She won like all these Grammys in the last couple of years. She's kind of become a little more mainstream, but she's fabulous. I don't know anything about music recently like you let me let me tell audience dear audience let me tell you a little something about dave arnold he doesn't have a lot of awareness of much that has happened since the 90s pop culture wise i know that pearl jam has a new album they do and it's phenomenal it It is it is because of knowledge of pearl jam from the 90s my god it's the most savage burn ever christy see rob see what i have to put up with week in and week out on this podcast this is not fair but as far as the Phil Collins song, it's because it says, because uh, I remember all the times I tried so hard and you laughed in my face because you held all the cards. That's <laughs> okay. right, Rob. Good. Rob, he's got a point. You guys do hold all the cards. Landowner lawyers. Like, I, Do you tell your students at William & Mary, do you say, well, if you're going to go into eminent domain and you want to make any money at all, you're going to need to be a landowner lawyer. Do you tell them that, Rob? Well, no, you know, I, I mean, uh, I'd say if you're going to go into a state where they, they frequently uh, are, are able, because of the structure, to use uh, and employ uh, contingency agreements, and if you end up at the right firm, you're gonna, you can make some money. Um, but, you know, for example, out in Hawaii, when we do these, we don't have a lot of, you know, most of my cases are, are regulatory or inverse. We don't do that much eminent domain because we don't have that much land, and it's so darned expensive that they don't take it. And so most of our our arrangements that we work with our clients are hourly. And so, you know, it's it's, it's good. And so all business is pretty good. But, you know, I'm, I've, I've got a pretty good track record, growing track record of placing uh, some of my helping my students into a condemner side. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong or what, but, I, I you know, in all seriousness, um, I, I say that, you know, whatever side you're on, the life of a lawyer is pretty good. So my most recent, I just got word within the last couple of weeks that one of my uh, recent graduate students 
from William and Mary has is now in a in in the Hampton Roads area. He has just uh, signed on as a city attorney there, and they've assigned him to, to their condemnation cases. Really? So he's going to be on on the other side of things, and I just thought that was fantastic. You know, that's great. He'll come into it. Yeah, I think the more people we have who come to it with an appreciation of the history and the type of stuff that we study in the class, the better off we all are, you know? No, I, I agree with that. And as an alum of yeah. uh, William and Mary Law School, I am so glad to see the property, uh, general property uh, area mm-hmm. at the, that law school take off. It's, it's really a neat thing, to, and it's a great resource this close, and I'm so glad you sent somebody to our side. Now, send us send yeah. us somebody, like, Find your best and your brightest and send them over to us. We need some help. Okay. Hey, Rob, well, I, I was going to ask you about something. Um, you have quite a following. I know you have a very successful blog, and you're very well known. I just wanted to see if you would tell us a little bit about uh, your blog. It's at inversecondemnation.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. How long have you been doing um, that? A, lo- a long time, because I was looking through a lot of your posts. Oh, You've been doing this for a while. I think oh five or oh six. Did I they heard. have blogs in 05? Did they have the internet in 05? Yeah, we, we, we tapped it out by Morse code. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks to some some very good advice I got from somebody, I'm not a lawyer, I said, you think this is this blog thing? You know, anybody wants to hear, you know, I mean, come on, this is like one of the nerdiest topics out there. And he said, yeah, do it. And even if nobody listens and nobody follows and um, if nothing else, uh, and this was the great, great advice, this will be forced continuing legal education for you. So even, you know, uh, because they knew that I, on, the, on my desk, whenever an important case came out, and in those days we didn't have as much access, courts were not publishing necessarily, you know, same-day opinions where you could go on and grab them and, and whatnot. But when they, when you would find them or you would get a notice, you'd go find the opinion, print it out, I know, print it out, um, and put it in the stack of two read items. And then when the, when the stack got too high, I'd, I'd bring over my recycling you know, waste bucket and slide them all off the desk into the recycling and think, okay, good, I just never read those. And, you know, it's something that in the press of day-to-day work, I wouldn't get around to, to reading things that I should have been reading. And they said, you know, they said to me, look, if you're, if nothing else, by, by forcing yourself to blog, you know, back then a couple of times a week about something and it's the latest case, you're forcing yourself to read things that you normally should be reading that you're not. And I said, oh, okay, I can justify it that way. And, you know, just over the years, uh, you know, this was in the aftermath of Kilo. And so all of a sudden, you know, eminent domain went from being that dark corner of the law that nobody paid attention to, to, you know, cocktail parties. People no longer ran away from you, right? You know, the, you probably know the, <laughs> they, the, they still the run feeling, away right? from me, when Rob. You, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know what that, you know what that is eminent. domain. all of a sudden my mother knew what I did, you know? Yeah. Oh, you, that's your area. Really? Um, uh, and, and so I think because of that, it, took off. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, sort of internet, social media started picking up and more and more people, I think, got comfortable with uh, resourcing their legal research or the discussion of this online and essentially in public. 
and that I got more comfortable with looking at things more timely than I had been, you know, rather than never reading things and pushing it into the wastebasket. Uh, when the new case came out, I'd actually read it because I'd be kind of forcing myself to do it. Yeah, I have to tell you something, Rob. I got to tell you something. And I don't think you know this. Um, at the National Eminent Domain Conference, I believe it was the year that it was in Charleston, about three years ago, mm-hmm. you and another guy mm-hmm. did a presentation on blogs and the benefits of blogging. And I think one of your points was, A, it's good. B, it can lead to business. And C, yeah. uh, you got to keep up with it. You got to keep it fresh. And I came back from that and said, Ross, we got to do a blog, man, and we got to dedicate ourselves to it. And that is where we got the idea of rightofway.law, our blog. You had been doing inversecondemnation.com for years and years and years. And so we wanted to start up kind of a um, one for the perspective of the condemning authority. So uh, mm-hmm. just a shout out to you, Rob, for, for thanking oh. you for that presentation. And, and, and this, mm-hmm. this podcast is an offshoot of that blog. It's just a continuation of that. All right. Well, it's, you know, Blogging, I think, is great because with the six-hour time difference, especially between uh, the East Coast, you know, Eastern time and Hawaii, summertime we're six hours, wintertime we're five because we're one of those odd places that doesn't go to daylight savings because, you know, we're, on, we're near the equator, so sunset and sunrise never change. So communication can be difficult. Either we have to get up really early or East Coast guys got to stay up really late. But one, uh, one of the things I love about the blog, and a partner of mine told me this, is he says, you're talking to people 24-7. You post something on the blog a year later. I mean, uh, they, they write you about it. And what's weird is when I look through sort of the favorite posts that, you know, that gets the most hits of all, all of these posts that are up on the blog, uh, there's one about Hawaii land court. And what, we have a Torrance title system in Hawaii where you do, re- you know, registered land uh, uh, titles. It's about probably the most obscure thing out there. That post, for whatever reason, constantly gets hits. People write me about it all the time. I don't know why. Um, something I wrote probably seven years ago. And so he said, this allows you to talk to people 24-7 about topics. You write about it once. It becomes somebody finds it year, even years later in the middle of the night, they're going to write you about it. And, and you know, I, I don't advertise. And so, uh, you know, nobody's paying me to do this. But virtually every client that I have, I won't say that they come because of the blog, because if you're hiring your lawyer from a blog, you're not doing it right. <laughs> almost, right? It's like using it's the like yellow hiring, pages. Yeah, exactly. It's like hiring the billboard guy. You know, mm, not sure that I'm not sure I would base my choice of counsel on you know who has the coolest billboard or the coolest blog. But almost, I would say virtually every one of it has has looked at it before they contact me. And it used to be we go into these beauty contests where you get a call from a potential client say, I'm looking at you and a couple other people. Tell me why I should hire you. The nice part about being the blog is they've read through the thing. They go on you know, your, your website and find your bio and all sorts of things. They find briefs that you've written that you, know, you throw out there and put up. And now they come to you and say, I think you're our guy. Are you available? You know, It's no longer – you know, tell, sell me on, on you. 
they come to you thinking already, you know, uh, they're that much closer. I think you're our guy. I like the way you talk. I like, you know, you've done a case that's similar to ours. I found it on your blog. So one of the first questions I always ask people when they contact me is, why, how did you find me? And um, invariably, they'll say it was it was I you know I searched in Google for X, uh, well, and then I came upon your blog. Rob, so you've just I, you've built an incredible platform, and I got to say, I mean, Dave mentioned that you've been an inspiration to us for sure. You might even say that Rob Thomas is our spirit animal. I think he is. <laughs> I think he is too. And with that, I think we we need to play one more over under push, and this one okay. this one should be a little easier. We're getting into the fall, so there's a few things that come about in the fall that people go bananas over. And so we're going to yeah. play a little over-under push right. fall okay. version. Okay, so your choices are pumpkin spice latte, okay. a Macintosh Yankee candle, and backyard fire pits. Okay, underrated backyard fire pits. Yes! You know, Correct! Ding, ding, ding! Yeah, those uh, year-round... Uh, you know, it can be 90 degrees out, 90% humidity, and I'm wanting a fire pit. Yeah, and all the best um, conversations you know, happen around a fire pit. Exactly. But yeah. there's something about the fall air. You know, you get the crisp, clean, you know, the crisp air, um, leaves blowing, that kind of thing. Nothing better, you know, and, and the days getting shorter. Nothing better. <laughs> I think it's. I think they're highly rated, but I think they should be rated even higher. So Correct. Yes. This is this is good. One for one, Rob. <laughs> okay. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. Uh, Yankee Candle. Um, you know, meh. Uh, either way, yes! I'm kind of yes! push. I'm kind of push. Uh, um, you know, on on any products, much less a, a Macintosh scented candle. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Know, you. Uh, uh, you don't want to light one up? I'm not going to object. Are we talking we're, about we're candles saving still, that sa- or? We're saving that clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to edit that right Am I going to get all fired up about it? I don't think so, right? I don't think I'll get all that fired up. Right. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, pumpkin spice anything uh, overrated. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He's a three for three, ladies and gentlemen. That is three for three. That, those are the answers okay. are correct. Well, yes. That is awesome. Well, you know, we are, we are, we're tracking, guys. So, um, so, Rob, since you're on such a roll, now I just have to ask one more question before we wrap sure. up this episode. So, yeah. Billy Squire. Oh, boy. No, we're not talking about Billy Squire again. Really what we want to know about Rob is hot or not as far as your Star Wars characters. This so, is what I need to know, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nerd alerts. Rob, do you know what Star Wars is? I, I think I, it's, I've heard of that. Um, you know, fill me in a little more. I've, I've, I think I've heard of something called Star Wars. Kirk, right? Captain Kirk? Spock? Yes. Right, Spock. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah check yeah, off okay, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah, no, Siri, no, but yes. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I'm sorry. I I saw I saw Star Wars when it was merely Star Wars. There was none of this New Hope crap. Right. Footnote stuck to it. When I saw it the first time in 70 millimeter Cinerama uh, widescreen, um, it was not Episode Four. Yeah, Han shot so, first. Yeah, you're, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Clearly. Yeah, because right? Han yeah, Solo yeah. is the, a drug smuggler. Let's not let's be absolutely clear what we're dealing with here. <laughs> that Han Solo is a drug smuggler, and he murders that guy because he's trying to turn him into the crime boss for debts. What like is, whatever what's happening right now. George <sighs> Lucas tried to do about sanitizing that whole thing. They can just get so it. it's not Captain Kirk. No. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> so go with your hot or not, Ross. Let's tick okay. them off for Rob. 
Oh, name some Star Wars characters, Dave. Okay, Rob, hot or not? C three PO. Is that uh, the not? Is that the Sorry. gold one or the little short blue and white know. one? I don't know. What I want to see how many Star Wars characters Dave actually knows. Okay, hot or not? Princess Leia. I, I know that one. She's hot. Hot, definitely. Hmm. Luke Skywalker. Wait, did you just hmm at Princess Leia being hot? I said in an earlier podcast she has snails on her ears. Dude, you you haven't watched enough Star Wars. That I thought they were cinnamon rolls. You have not seen the entire my like, you know Leia in a bikini part with Jabba the Hutt. You've apparently skipped that uh, clearly. Uh, Go, you, yeah, never wait, mind. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt, hot or not? Rob, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, salacious crumb, hot or not? Yeah. Well, I you know uh, uh, he he reminds me of of the poop emoji. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, so I think that you know I'll I'll go with I'll go with that as my final answer. Oh, not uh, I, you know, I don't I don't think we're gonna top that. I don't think we're gonna top that. So we're gonna wrap this episode <laughs> okay. on the poop emoji. Rob Thomas at Inverse Condemnation. Thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us for the Pendulum Land podcast brought to you by Pendulum Land Services, LLC, a full services right-of-way acquisition company dedicated to the integrity of the right-of-way industry. Visit them at Pendulum Land or on Twitter at Pendulum Land. The broadcast is produced by Right-of-Way Consults, LLC. Shout out to our guest, Rob Thomas, at Inverse Condemnation on Twitter, and also check out his blog at inversecondemnation.com. You can reach our resident experts on Twitter, at Relo Kristen, at Right-of-Way Ross, and at Right-of-Way Dave. It's been a great one. See you. Rob Thomas, you are our spirit animal. Right. I don't want him to not be my spirit animal, but I think it's uh, Harold Ramis is mine. I'm taking Harold Ramis. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy.